last song we sang, the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, it really is the only way we're going to win, is to allow him to have his way in us and through us, because he's the one that always wins. He's never lost. He is whatever it is in the win column and zero in the loss or the ties. Amen? God is, God is awesome. We're going to be so in awe when we see God. Because no matter what we, we think he's like, how glorious, how loving, how awesome, how merciful, how gracious, how kind, he is more than we can begin to comprehend. And he is always good. Amen. And speaking of good, what are your plans for today? How many of you had some good plans for today? How many of you are just winging it? <laughs> you know, we should, we should always have good plans because that's what God has for us. You know, we, we, I share this often. It's shared here often. We're, we try to remind each other of this. But in Jeremiah 29, 11, in the New Living Translation, it says this about the plans God has for us. He says, the plans I have for you are for good and not for destruction with a future. A future. How many of you know people are looking at their futures and are un- Sure. Now, if we just look with natural eyes at the future of things, we don't know what's out there. We, we know what we want to see out there, what we want to experience out there, but we don't know for sure. But God does. And the only way we're going to know for sure is to know the one who made it sure. And his plan, his plan for every human being is for good, not for destruction. But we see destruction all over the world we live in. And who's behind that plan? Right. Because what does the Bible tell us in John 10.10 about what the enemy does? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if anybody's experiencing that in their life, understand it is not God. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from our Heavenly Father who never changes. And so this plan God has, we have to remind ourselves because sometimes we forget. But we remind ourselves and remind others, man, you're a child of God. You've got nothing to fear because he already has a plan for you for good. The future God has for you is full of hope, a confident expectation of good. And so when our minds start to be distracted, our attention be becomes distracted by all the things that we're, we're surrounded by and, and is trying to saturate us of the bad news that's in the world, we need to remind ourselves of the good news, of who God is, who we are to him, and what he's planned. And realize we get to choose. We get to choose what plan we walk out. Amen? And so I thought we were going to have Jeremiah 29, 11 on the screens, but uh, it, it's okay. Uh, 
we've, we've been learning about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom that we've come into uh, from the kingdom of this world. And it's a totally different kingdom. There are different ways that we operate in the kingdom of God versus the king. There it is. The kingdom of the world. And uh, we need to adjust. Because if we don't, we're going to frustrate ourselves. We're, we're going to get worn out. And we're going to start to want to lay blame. How many of you know people love to lay blame? Not take blame. Not be responsible. They want to make sure somebody else did it. And, and when we get in a difficult place, we want to start to look for somebody to say, you're the one that did this. Well, you know, we, we, the first person we really need to look at is the person in the mirror. Because a lot of the things that are going on are, are the result of our choices. What we're living today is a resort, resort uh, uh, result. Where's Erica? <laughs> a result of the choices we've made in days gone by. And, and that's what the Bible says, what you sow, you'll reap. And so we really need to take a look at our lives right now. What, what's going on in our lives? And if it's not what you wanted or what God's word says, then realize there was something back there that you made a choice in. Now, I'm not saying everything that happens to you is by your choice. Things happen, right? But we can't control what happens to us but we can control what happens in us when something happens to us. And in that moment, we can, we can go back to, you know what, this happened, but I know God's plan is still intact. It hasn't changed God's plan. Nothing changes God's plan. Even if we abandon God's plan, God still has his plan waiting for us. If we're willing to turn around, which is repent, and turn to God and trust in God and track with him. But we've been, we've been learning about the kingdom of God and how he has plans. And some of you have plans today. Some of you are winging it. But we really ought to be walking in God's plans. And that doesn't mean you have to ask God, what are you going to eat today? He'll give you freedom. You can choose. But be wise. Don't go to Krispy Kreme and eat three dozen donuts. As good as they taste, right? It's like eating air that's sweet. And I remember I never knew this. I'd never seen a donut shop like this that they have a sign in the window, a fluorescent sign, and it says hot. Or fresh something. I didn't remember it because I was concentrating on the donuts. And, and we went in and the donuts were so fresh and so hot. I started to eat them. And before I knew it, I had eaten five. And I am serious. I could, I could very easily eat three dozen of those donuts. And every one of them would have tasted good. But how much good would they have done for me? Seriously, some of you don't want to answer that question, do you? <laughs> so we realize everything that, that 
tastes good may not be good. And that's what it says in Proverbs. There's a way that seems good or right to man whose end is the way of death. And so the only way we can know what really is good, what really is best, is to know God. And the only way to experience a plan that is really good and really the best is to align with God's plan. Because if we're all honest here, every one of us have made, I would say, at least a dozen, very conservatively, a dozen plans that we thought were going to be really good. And some of you are groaning already. And they didn't work out anywhere near like what you thought. It wasn't just not so good. It was bad. Do you know who has never experienced that? God. God's plan remains good no matter what. What we do with God's plan, if we just take God's plan halfway and say, well, I'll do this, but I won't do this then I have a question for you. Is it really still God's plan? See, because a half-truth is a whole lie. And who's behind the lies? The father of lies, the enemy of your soul. And that's why when he tempted Jesus, he brought partial truths. He brought parts of Scripture. But Jesus knew the whole truth. You know, on those TV shows, we want the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That should be us. We want the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us God. Because he's the only one that can. And so we've been learning about how, how God has these plans. And he also has... Seasons and times in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, the scripture says, To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. So not only do we have to have the plan of God, we need to have the timing of God. We need to be in the season and the timing of God. If we get ahead of God, it's not going to work out even if we have the plan of God. Because God's plan comes preloaded with time. Because God created time. In the very beginning, in Genesis, the Bible says that he, he said, light be and light was, and he separated the light from the darkness, and it was day and night. It also tells us that, that he made seasons, summer and winter, cold and hot. And so God made these not to restrict us, but that we would be able to walk with him in these plans he has with his times and his seasons. And if we lag behind his times and seasons, it's not going to be the plan of God the way God planned it to be. And if we get ahead of him, it's the same thing. And that's difficult for us. Especially us in America. Because we live in the Land of the free. I'm free. 
Well, you are. You experience more freedom than any other country in the world. But that freedom in the kingdom of God, and we use that freedom to do whatever we want to do. But the Bible tells us the freedom that we experience in Christ is not to be used to serve our own desires or designs, but to, by love, serve. Serve God and serve one another. Because if we get all wrapped up in us when we have freedom or we have resources, all of a sudden, our attention to God, our dependence on God, our trust in God goes down. If, if, if you had a bank account of millions of dollars, would you depend on God for finances? Well, you could, but you might not because it's easy to transfer that dependence. And it happens in our life in all different areas like that. And we need to be aware when we receive a blessing, don't forget the one who brought it. I'm not talking about the vessel that God used. I'm talking about the one who originated that blessing, God. Because it's very easy to get our eyes on the things that God has brought to us and get our eyes off God. And then we just kind of go our merry way. We still want the plan of God, but now we want to do our thing too. And we still want to be in step with God, but we want to be able to go over here and go over there and do all that. And it's not necessarily bad in and of itself, except the fact that every time we take off from God's plan or God's timing, we're walking away from the very one that has the best plan and the best timing for us. And so to everything, there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And, and we've been looking at this and understanding that there was a, uh, scripture in Proverbs 16, verse 9, that a man's heart plans his way, but God directs his steps. But that isn't the only place that's found. Also, in uh, Psalms uh, 33, verse 11, it says, The Lord's plans stand firm, how long? Forever. That's like a lifetime guarantee, right? Forever. How many of you have had lifetime guarantees on stuff? And, and I'm wondering what lifetime they're talking about. Because we would call and say, you know, there's a lifetime guarantee on this. Yeah, but it expired. Who died? God's plan never expires. God's plan is perfect. Do you agree with that? God's plan is the best. Do you agree with that? Then if God's plan is perfect and best and it never expires, why would we ever look for another one? Can I give you an answer, a possible answer? One of them is because we really don't know what his plan is. Number two, we may not believe his plan is best because the enemy has deceived us into thinking our plan is better or somebody else's plan is better. And where there's deception, there's loss. 
And we experience a lot of times loss in our lives because we're deceivers. We don't remember. We don't go back to what the truth says. So the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be what? I think that's a really important promise for us in these days because there's a lot of things being shaken. And God doesn't want you shaken up or overwhelmed or stressed out to the max because of what you're hearing going on. Whether it's in our country, whether it's in another country, if it's in some corner of the world, it's, it's, it's true or it's fabricated. Because you're a part of the kingdom that never ends. And can never be shaken. And before we go any further, I just want to pray because we're going to look at David's life again, but we're going to look at it in more detail because the Bible tells us that, that David was a man after God's own heart. That's really what God wants. God wants us after his heart because if we'll go after his heart, after him, there's nothing, nothing that he can't do in our lives. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you right now. I thank you for everyone that's here in, in person. I thank you for those online. I thank you that there's no time or distance in spirit. And so, Father, even though we're right here, you're with everyone that is hearing us. And you can do more than anyone that is hearing us. And so, Father, we look to you. Our faith and our trust is in you. Our expectation is in you, knowing that with you all things are possible, just as we sang today, and that you have designed and desired and planned and provided and prepared the best for your children, so that, Father, in blessing us, we can be a blessing to all those around us that may be struggling. Or don't even know you. So, Father, today, speak to our hearts, our circumstances and situations through your word, which is truth, that can set us free and keep us free, that is life and health. Father, speak to us as we hear your word of what it is that's applicable to our lives and we pray that Holy Spirit would give us not just the illumination of your word, but the revelation of how it applies to our lives and how we apply it to our lives so that we, in being doers of the word, would not be deceived, but we would be transformed, going from glory to glory. And we thank you, Father, for the good work that you've begun, that you're faithful to complete. In Jesus' name, amen. So the plans of God, how, how do we find out? You know, the plan of God is like your destiny, all right? And how, how many people just decide they're going to choose their destiny? This is going to be my destiny. You know, that's what a lot of people do. And uh, in the kingdom of God, we don't decide our destiny. We discover our destiny.
We discover our destiny as we draw closer to God. We come to know him because he knows us better than we know ourselves. And as we get to know God and we trust God and God begins to reveal his plan, his destiny he created you for, we learn that by walking with him. We learn that by praying. We learn that by study of his word. We learn by praising him. We learn by gathering together with other believers. All of these things contribute to, to us knowing God and growing in God so that we would become aware of what God has planned for us because he created you. You know, our parents want to try and help us with, with what our destiny is going to be. People that love us want to try and help us with what our destiny is going to be. But the only one that can truly, truly reveal to us what our destiny or the plan for our life is, is God. Because he knows every detail of every human being, of the billions of human beings on the earth at this time and the billions of human beings that have been and will be. God knows every detail, every facet of our lives, our strengths, our abilities. He knows what opportunities lie ahead for us, but he also knows our frailties, our flaws, and the failures that will come in our lives. There is only one that was perfect, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The rest of us, we need to understand, not mourn, but understand, have an understanding that we do have strengths, we have abilities. And you know who gave us those abilities? God. We have opportunities ahead of us. God gives us those opportunities. Now what we do with our abilities, our opportunities, is on us. But we also have these areas that we're not so good at. One of the things we used to do in this church, whenever anybody became a new member, we would have them go through a gifts test. I didn't say we gave them gifts. I said we had them go through a gifts test. And, and that test would determine, in the Bible it talks about certain gifts that God gives to people in the body. And one of them was, was organization or administration. And I will tell you, this is absolute truth. So the last test we gave to, to people that were saying, this is where God is placing me. I want to be connected. I want to make a commitment so that people will know I am part of the team. I'm part of the family. The lowest score in administration or organization was held by one person. me. I am absolutely serious. It, it used to just puzzle me, Lord, why? It's because that's not the part he had for me to fulfill. And God's brought amazing people in leadership, in the body that have great organizational skills. 
And I'd be a fool if I didn't say, hey, why don't you do this instead of me? And that's where the body works together. We, we realize that this one has this gift and this one has this gift and God's given this ability and that ability. And we need to use. There used to be uh, an idea years ago that, you know, you found out what your strengths were, you found out what your weaknesses were, and you worked on your weaknesses. That would be like a fish finding out they can't fly, so they need to work on their flying skills. And it doesn't work. And they finally came to the understanding, you don't, don't, you don't have to try and get your weaknesses up to your strengths. You need to know what your weaknesses are. You need to know what your strengths are, your abilities, and your inabilities. Because God makes us with inabilities. But pastor, that goes against the scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know what? Take that in what it's really dealing with. You can do all things that God has for you to do through Christ who strengthens you. You can't go out and say, you know what? I'm going to be a great singer. If I took that, that scripture and manipulated it to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and, and I'm going out to sing and I don't have any ability... God's not going to grace what he did, isn't governing, governing or isn't planning for my life. He gives us the grace for what he's prepared us for. And so there are frailties, there are flaws, there are even failures in our life that God will use, sometimes even more powerfully than our abilities and our strengths. Because what does everybody look for? When you go into some place and there are people there, do you realize what you're looking for? Most of us are looking for somebody just like us. And that's what I told God in the beginning. I said, God, I do not. I am a white guy. Is that revelation here? I am, and I'm an old white guy at this point. But I don't want the church to be just white. I said, Father, I want the church to be like your church. We're practicing for heaven. There should be all different races, educational levels, financial levels, all a variety. Because what everybody wants to give them a sense of being at ease initially is they want to walk into a place and see somebody like them. And if they can walk in here and see somebody like them who loves God and will love them, we will not have enough room to hold the people that want to be here. And so... That's, that's where we, we have to realize that God is doing what he's doing, but he's got a part for us. He's got a plan for you, and, and he's got timing and seasons, and he's given abilities and strengths that you develop, and we have things that we're not so good at, and we can't fake it till we make it. Don't do that. Be honest, be transparent. If you are not good at something, don't say, yeah, I can do that. Get with somebody that can 
And, and maybe you'll learn something. But you'll never probably be as strong in their strength as they are if it's your weakness. But appreciate the strength that God's given. The ability that God's given. Because God has a plan for their, their life that's different from the plan that's yours. That's why you and I can't look at anybody else and say, hey, I'm going to be like Mark. Your wife isn't saying that. You're the only one saying that. Do you remember the commercial, I want to be like Mike? Michael Jordan? How'd that go for people? Seriously. What a ridiculous statement. I want to be like Michael Jordan, the best that there has ever been. Or it's an argument. We'll just say for the sake of not getting texts or emails, he was one of the best that's ever been. But we're looking at this and we're saying, I want to be like Mike. So we buy a pair of shoes. Right? I could buy all the shoes that Mike's company makes. And I would never be anywhere near what Mike is like. That's a recipe for failure. It's a recipe for frustration. It's, it's setting us up to want to quit. Do you know why you and I so often get set up going towards that point of quitting? Because that's the only way the enemy can beat a Christian. Is when we quit. I quit. I can't do this anymore. Well, yeah. You can't do this anymore alone. But whatever God has for you to do and whatever God has for you to be, you can. But it's only by His grace. It's only in His love. Because if we don't do it in love, it doesn't count for anything. And it's always for his glory. And if we're doing it for any other reason than those, by his grace, not our effort alone, he puts his super on our natural. By his love, we're doing it because we love God and we love people. And for his glory, that they would see him, not us. Just like John the Baptist said, he must increase that I would decrease. But that's the exact opposite of what is permeating our society. People want to be the most noted, most followed, most liked people on the face of the earth. They want to be the biggest influencers. I'm telling you right now, if anybody influences our lives more than Jesus does, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And once we get away from him, we get away from the things that we need. So we're going to look at David, and we've looked at him. We kind of looked at when all Israel came together to make him king. But that was between 10, 10 and 15 years in the making. We're going to go back 
but before we do, we're going to see what the New Testament says about David. How many of you know David's an Old Testament personality, person? In Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it says this about David. For David served God's will and purpose and counsel in his own generation. Now, that's an amazing thing. David was a person of impact. David was a person that imparted things to, to make his generation better. So I guess my question to all of us today, and even to myself, is what am I doing to make my generation better? And what are you doing to make your generation better? And the generations you're living in. Because I will tell you right now, when we look at the world, they're not, for the most part, looking at how they can make their generation better. They're looking at how they can make their life better. And we as Christians, that's not our goal. Who's going to make our life better? Can you trust them? Because if you can't trust them with making your life better here on earth, don't trust them for eternity. So we know who's got our back. That's God. He's also got our front and our sides and our top and our bottom. God's got you. I'm telling you right now, this is, this is from the Lord. He's saying, I got you. Have you ever watched trapeze artists? They swing through the air with the greatest of ease. We, my grandparents used to live in Sarasota. That was the winter home for Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. And we used to be able to go out and watch them practice. And when somebody lets go of that bar that they're swinging on, they're okay when they're swinging on it because they know they can hold themselves. They're not going to fall. Once they let go, it's a whole new story. And as they're swinging through the air, they're swinging towards someone. Do you know that they would never let go of that bar if one thing weren't sure in their mind? Before they ever let go, they have absolute confidence that the person at the other side is going to catch them. Sometimes that is why we won't let go of our lives. We don't have confidence that God's got us. And wherever we're holding on to control with a death grip, white knuckle in it, through life, it's because we're afraid to let go because we don't know if he's got us. But he'll always catch you. He'll always hold you. He's always with you. He will never fail you. And so we can give ourselves to him, and then we can do like David did. We can serve God 
Because that's the first one we're supposed to serve. Serve God in the generations that we're living in. Because if we don't do it as the church who has somebody who's got our back, our front, our sides, our up, our down, who is going to do it? You've got to be secure. You've got to be stable to be able to reach beyond yourself to help somebody else out there. And that's one of the reasons why we don't. We don't think, well, if I give that to them, I may not have enough. We're still holding on to us. God's saying, let go. You've heard it. Let go and let God. But it's, it's not just a nebulous thing. You've got to build into you. We've got to build into us. We know who God is. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. If we'll seek first his kingdom, all these other things will be added to us. And knowing that, believing that, building that into us, when things don't go the way we expected, we still know God's got our back and our front and our sides and our top and our bottom. So we don't have to draw back in fear and say, oh, I can't do this. If God has for you to do it, know that God's partnering with you in it. And David... David served God's will, purpose, and counsel in his own generation. And guess who picked David to serve? God. In verse 22, it tells us something really, really great. It says, and he, God, gave testimony and said, I have found David. I didn't know David was missing. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart will, who will do all my will. Now, it doesn't say this for no reason at all. God found him. Because do you know what God's doing right now? I don't know, but I thought you might. But the, Bi <laughs> the Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord... God is searching the whole earth, back and forth, up and down, every corner of the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully turned towards him or fully dependent, trusting in him. He's looking. He found one in David. And the Bible says, so he can show himself strong. On their behalf. The only way God can really show himself strong on our behalf is we give ourselves to him. We entrust ourselves to him. We are fully devoted, fully committed. Now, please understand, none of us will ever be fully devoted, fully committed, but we should be gaining week after week, month after month, year after year. It should be that at this point in our lives, we are more fully devoted, we're more fully committed, we're more fully dependent on God than we were in 2023. And yet, as the years go by, do things get better in our world? 
No, it's getting more difficult. It's getting more dangerous. People are more desperate. And yet, when the world's going downhill, the people of God need to be rising from glory to glory. Because that departure of where the world's headed and where God's people are headed should grow brighter and brighter, more easily identified that we are in the same world, but we are not the same way. And that's the witness we're supposed to be. But that takes us choosing to depend more on God, on his plan, trust in his times and his seasons, knowing that God is perfect. And as we do and as we build that into ourselves, it's one of those situations where as it gets more wild out there, what was, you read something and the guy made a funny statement. Cuckoo crazy. Yeah, ask Deb what she's reading when, when this is all over. But, but he was saying it's getting cuckoo crazy. And it is. But as it gets wilder, we should become more peace-filled, more joy-filled, more hope-filled. And that's why the Bible says that we become peculiar, not weird but peculiar, different than others, and they see us and recognize what we have, what you have, is not what they have, but they want what you have. And that's the opportunity we have to be the witnesses where we tell them it's not a what, it's a who. You don't go after the joy. You don't go after the peace. You don't go after the hope. You don't go after the stability. You go after Jesus. And when you get Jesus and he becomes Lord of your life, he comes in to live as your Lord and Master. He brings with him peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and minds because we believe in him. We trust in him. Joy that strengthens us in the midst of anything we are exposed to or experience. It causes us to be rock solid. When everybody else is just getting rocked. David was like that. It's because he had a heart after God. And nobody, 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 nobody except for God knew the plan he had for David. And we look at this and we pick this up, but before we do, I just want to share a, a, a quote by Jonathan Edwards from Jonathan Edwards who said, the obligation of every generation, there are different generations here, the obligation of every one of us in our generation is to understand what God is doing. Now remember, remember last week, we found out Holy Spirit is the one that reveals things to come. He'll tell us things to come. He'll remind us of truth. He'll guide us in truth and he'll show us things to come. Tell us things to come. So we need to understand what, what the time is. What's going on? What does God have for us? 
Holy Spirit will do that in our lives. But he says what God is doing and then do it with him. The obligation of every, every generation is to understand what God is doing and then do it with him. That's why we're still here. We get saved. If that wasn't why we're still here, we'd go straight to the throne room of God into eternity and never look back. But God saves us and sets us among the people that have known us that will see in us this transformational work that's going on in us. And we'll have this impact that God has planned in our generations. And it's never too late to start. God never gives up on us unless we give up on him. And he still won't give up on us. He'll always be there. He'll always care. He'll always be available. But that's where we have to repent and turn back to him. So David was that person. And God had a plan for David that David had no idea of. And neither did anybody else on the face of the earth. In the Bible, it tells us that in second king, he, he was going to be the second king over Israel. And God spoke to a prophet, Samuel, and told Samuel to go. And this is what he said to Samuel. Go to Bethlehem. First, fill your, your flask with oil. Go to Bethlehem and find Jesse, a man named Jesse. Bethlehem didn't have four people. All right? It, it, was, it was fairly large for that time of in, in the earth. And God tells him, go find Jesse, for I picked one of his sons for you to anoint as the next king. You know, God doesn't give us all the details all at once. You remember the details he gave Abraham when he was saying, you know, go. He said, leave your father's house. Leave your people and leave your country. Okay. All right. Got that, God. What next? And go to a place I'll show you. What? Go to a place I'll show you. That mandated that he could be obedient but he also had to be dependent. In every one of our lives, God's going to give us enough, not the whole story, not, not the whole binder, but enough to be obedient right now, but keep us dependent always on him. And those of us that want to know everything, can I give you a little insight? This is really true. If you knew everything, it would freak you out. We in our little brains would have meltdowns. We'd do what Jonah did. We'd run the other way. 
We can't comprehend. The Bible says, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor has entered into the heart of man the things. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. If God had shown me this, what I'm doing, when I was growing up telling my future wife, well, I'm not sure, but I, you know what? I really am interested in the ministry. And I couldn't even talk to her because I was so shy. And if he had shown me this, I probably would have gone into a coma to avoid it. But you know what? I would have missed seeing and learning what God can do through someone that nobody else believed this could happen to. And that's what happened with David. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, this is where the prophet Samuel has already filled his flask with oil. He's gone to Bethlehem. Somehow he's found the one Jesse that had these sons. Samuel asked, he, he got to Samuel's house and Jesse's house and Samuel s started to look at the sons. And, and in that culture, it was always the oldest son was presented first. And so the oldest son came and, and Samuel looked at the oldest son and said, man, this has got to be the one. And God corrected him and said, don't look on the outward. I don't look on the outward. I look on the inward. I look on the heart. Because we can, we can spruce up the outward, can't we? We're pretty good at image management. At being able to present what we want people to think, even though it's not accurate. Type of deception. Then they brought the second one. And he said, no, that's not the one either. The Lord didn't say that was the one. And then the next one and the next one. And seven sons came by Samuel and, and, and the Lord said none. And so Samuel says, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse says, ah, oh, they're still the youngest. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Now, They didn't even consider David. But Samuel should have known, but he didn't even know because this one hadn't come. But Samuel should have known this was the one because he was outstanding in his field. Please share that with your wife. <laughs> I just figure I can get even one time. And so they sent for him. And Samuel says to everybody, we will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him, and it says he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. I don't know why that's there. Because God had already told him, don't look on the outside. I guess it's just for our benefit. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. Samuel didn't know until that moment. Samuel do, knew enough to be obedient. You and I have to be okay with not knowing everything because we can't know everything. 
But God will always give us enough to step out in faith and be obedient. And when we get that, he'll give us more. It's like the guy who went back to the hardware store with his flashlight. He said, this stupid thing doesn't work. And the guy at the hardware store turned it on. Looks like it works just fine for me. He said, I'm trying to shine it out on my boat in the lake, and it's a half a mile away. Who was being foolish in this? The guy. He didn't, he didn't, the flashlight wasn't designed to shine endless distances. God's will is not given to you in totality. He gives you enough to step out. And then when you make that step, he'll give you the next step. And he may give you a couple of steps, but he's not going to give you the mile ahead of you. Because many times we get focused on and fixated on something good or something bad, something we like or we don't like, and we forget the rest of it. And we can't afford to do that at all with God's will. We can't just focus on what we like. And we can't focus on what we don't like. We have to focus on his will and take the step. And then look at him, receive what he has, focus on his will and take the next step. How does it work when you try and take three steps at a time? No, God designed us to walk one step, another step, one step. That's so boring. It's just repeating well, you know what? There's nothing better than repeating one step with God, the next step with God, the next step with God, the next step with God. Because we can't really take a sure step if we aren't stepping with God. So he anointed him. And it says, in the midst he said, this is the one, so as David stood there among his brothers. God is honoring David, the youngest in the family, in front of all his older brothers that society would say they should have been the ones. How many of you know God chooses and it's not by what society deems is best? Because this was God's call for David. It wasn't God's call for David's brothers. And so they anoint him in the midst of his older brothers. Do you remember another kid? He happened to be the youngest at the time in his family. And, and God had a call in his life. His name was Joseph. And how did his older brothers take the call of God on Joseph's life? Wanted to kill him. Because that's what we do when somebody gets, it's not fair. God is not fair. If you're waiting for God to be fair, you're never going to see it. Because God is better than fair. God is just. God gives you what you need and them what they need. Because if he gave you what they need, it's not what you need. It's just what you want. And just like any kid... They want a lot of things that aren't good for them. I want a lot of 
Krispy Kreme donuts. But it's not good for me. And as a very wise, wise man says, you can't always get what? What you want. That's nah, not my place to say it. I tortured you enough this morning. But God will give you everything you need. Everything you need. The Bible says, my God will supply all your needs, not greeds and not wants. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It goes on to say, he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And look at this, the last sentence, second to the last. And the spirit of the Lord, what? came powerfully on David from that day on. The Spirit of the Lord came on David. And you say, well, I didn't think that happened in the Old Testament. There were three types of people that God anointed with the Spirit. The prophet, the priest, and the king. Now, under the new covenant that you and I are under, that Spirit that was very sparingly given out to anoint people and to empower and impart to people to be a blessing to his people has now come upon every believer. You have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in you as a believer in Jesus Christ. That's powerful. But what difference is it making? Is he making in our lives? Or are we just toting them around? You know, like a treasure that we don't use. Hey, I'm, I'm filled with the Spirit. Want to see? Just trying to impress people. But the Spirit of God living in us, He brings gifts to our lives. Read it in the Bible about the different gifts that are by given by the Spirit for a certain situation that God will use in your life. You can't claim them and hold on to them because they're given as He wills, but these gifts are for the benefit of others. Then He also develops fruit in our lives. You know that stuff you like when you see it in other people? The joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the generosity, uh, the, the goodness, the faithfulness, the self-control. He's, he's wanting to develop that in our lives so everybody will enjoy our lives instead of us enjoying that, just theirs. And it's a supernatural thing, but it's as we allow him to have his way. The Bible says that he leads us and guides us in all truth. He shows us things to come. We found that out last week. But he also fills our hearts with love. With love. The God kind of love, the unconditional love that never fails, that love that covers a multitude of sin that we don't give back to other people what they gave to us. We give them what Jesus gave us. So my question before we end today, I have a couple of questions because I need help. Was David perfect? But didn't we read in Acts 13, 22, he was a man after God's own heart. 
who would do all of God's will. And he did, but he also did some of his own will. Just like we do. So I want you to know today, before you leave, God's not looking for perfect people. And God's not afraid of what your past has been. Because God can turn it for good because the Word says that He'll work all things for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So if we'll take on and say, God, I want Your will in my life and I want it in Your timing and Your way, then He can take care of all the rest of the stuff that you and I at times are deathly afraid of other people finding out. And not only will he take care of it, he'll work it for good. Just like I've shared with you. Do you know, you don't. You have no idea how terrified I was when I first shared with this congregation, not in this building, but with this congregation, about the fact that I had lived the life of an alcoholic. I was an alcoholic. I was destroying my life and my wife's life. I was destroying my health. Because immediately it gives you the opportunity to judge me. Oh my gosh. I didn't know he was an alcoholic. Maybe we ought to find a better place where there's a better pastor. No, that's, that's what the enemy came to me. And then even more so that I had an addiction to pornography. You know, we all have our skeletons in our closets. And we can't change what they are, but God can work them for good. Because I've found that there are people that have heard that God was able to help me break free of the control of alcohol in my life. And pornography in my life. That gives them hope that God can do that for them. And I'll tell you, we've got a ministry here that is just for that. And we're afraid to go. Many of us are afraid to go because we're afraid, well, what are they going to think of me? I'm going to tell you what they're going to think of you. They're going to think that you're courageous. They're going to think that you're wise. They're going to think that God's bringing you because not only do you need help, but you're going to be able to help other people. And that's journey of recovery where... We all deal with hurts, hang-ups, and habits that need to be overcome. It's a safe place. It's a place of surrender to God and connection with others who will be able to lift up your hands and stand with you when you're struggling as people did with me. You know, I don't know where to end this, but I've got to end it. We'll continue on, but if you would just bow your heads. You know, we sometimes look at people in the Bible and we think, wow, that's amazing what God did in their lives. He's the same God that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have given your life, whatever it has been, to him so he can make it whatever he has planned. And until we do, we can't have God causing our life to be what he intended it to be so that we can do what we were created to do.
and know the fulfillment of living a life with God and for God and impacting other people. You're here today or you're online and you have never turned your life over to Christ, to the Lord Jesus Christ, to come in and take control of your life. And that's a scary thought. Nobody's going to take control of my life. I want you to know your life and my life are out of control even though we try and control it before we come to Christ. But when we turn and trust Jesus with our life, his work on the cross and the victory he won as he was raised from the dead is now beginning to be imparted to our lives. A forgiveness and a cleansing of our sin, our past. To mend the relationship that we should have always had with the Heavenly Father. And to experience the power, the goodness, and the glory of God working in a life that is given to him. You're here today or online and you have never given your life to the Lord. I, w I invite you to pray with us today. And I'm inviting everyone to pray together. But if that's you here in, in person, if, if you just lift your hand and say, that's me. I need that. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your Son who came into this world, lived a sinless life, died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, was raised from the dead, glorious and victorious, and is seated today at the right hand of the Father. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I repent. I turn back to you and I turn over to you my life that you would come in and be Lord, Master, Owner of me. I thank you for cleansing me connecting me back to the Father. And from this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. Govern me, guide me, and guard me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. prayed today, please let somebody know before you leave. If you prayed online, let somebody uh, go to the website, reslifeny.org. Go to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed. Thank you for those of you online that give us your prayer requests. We, we pray for you each week. Um, we continue to pray. We pray for you guys in the body here uh, that come in person. We just know that, that prayer is very important.